0: He came back with the same lies, the same silly phrases. What? What are
1: you saying? He has grown greedier with the years. The first time he only wanted my money. Now he wants my love, too. Well, he came to the wrong house,
0: and he came twice. I shall see that he never comes a third time. We've talked about judging other people. With me today, I have Dr. Andy Bernstein, my resident philosopher. He's got a Ph.D. in philosophy. He teaches at Pace University. And he's given addresses all over the country, including at Harvard and Stanford and RPI. And he's written countless articles, several cliff notes and a novel, The Heart of a Pagan. And with me today, we're going to discuss how do you judge other people? Well, so many times we're told, don't judge other people. Be nice. Joey might come in and say, Mommy, I don't like what Tommy did to me. He's mean. And Mommy might say, Joey, you know it's not nice to say mean things about people. Tommy's a very nice friend. You, just didn't, you sit back and don't ever say anything negative about people. Good people only say nice things about people. With me today again to discuss this is Dr. Andy Bernstein. Welcome to the show again, Andy.
1: Oh, uh, good to be back, Ellen.
0: Yeah, tell me, what is the motive? My guess is there are a range of motives behind why people say, "Don't judge." Like the mother in that case, who's telling her son, "Don't say mean things. It's not nice. Good people only say nice things about other people."
1: Right. Well, I think you know, in large part, I think this falls in in, in your field, uh, not in mine. I think there's a. I think in in Probably all of those cases, there's always a psychological motive. I think there's a moral, philosophical one, too, but I think the psychological motive is always the person uh, himself or herself feels terribly guilty inside about God knows what and is terrified of of being judged uh, himself, that he's, he's afraid to judge himself because he's afraid he's going to wind up falling short of uh, his own moral standards and consequently he's terrified of other other people judging him and so necessarily then uh, wants to avoid uh, moral judgment at all costs and so utters this kind of nonsense that we shouldn't judge uh, other people even though our lives very clearly depend on on, uh, our willingness to judge other people's characters and their psychological states.
0: You know, I'm thinking, we judge everything. I mean, you go into a restaurant, you judge the food, you go shopping for clothes, and you judge whether the dress looks right on you or if it hangs funny on you, whether the shoes fit or not, whether you like the car or not. We're constantly judging things. When it comes to people... There, there's a, a whole, I want to say a movement, it's not a coordinated movement, but there's a whole mentality or a mindset that people can get into that says, well, you know, I just don't think about that in him. I, I don't like it in him, but I don't want to look too deeply. Why, wh- who, in, who tells us not to judge people?
1: Well, there is a coordinated movement uh, here. It's called Christianity. You know the the fame or religion more broadly. It's not just Christianity, but the, you know the phrase of "judge not, uh, uh, and be not judged." The uh, the the I think the belief here comes from the religious uh, belief in, in original sin that uh, you know man is a sinful being, and uh, consequently, since we're, we're all equally sinful, not one of us has, the, has is morally pure enough to be able to to be a judge to cast the God, first stone. Um, and I think, and again, I, I think that philosophy and that moral creed has psychological consequences. I think people who were, have accepted the idea of their own sin, uh, and probably what you know were brought up, uh, you know, in that kind of a family, the people who accept that have a you know chronic sense of moral inadequacy and a chronic sense of of uh, self loathing and guilt, and they're terrified of, of being judged. So they preach this this philosophy of uh, of do not judge. I just want to stress. Uh, and, you know the antidote to this is the realization that our lives depend on judging. You ha- I think people can see at a common sense level they have to judge other people. they, can't, they can't, can't, cannot fail, must not fail to distinguish between the honest and the dishonest between the peaceful and the violent, between the rational and the irrational. Their very life depends on judging between those people as who who they, get, who they uh, connect with as friends or lovers and who they uh, reject
0: so it 's very tragic if you 've been brought up to believe that you 're a sinner from the get go before you even face any choices in your life before you make any decisions or or exercise your volition your free will, if you 're told that you 're a sinner you 're bad to begin with, and that all you can do is uh, you know climb out of the hole but never enjoy the sunlight you can just get to the edge of the hole, then it feels like you're afraid to judge. You're afraid to cast any blame because you're carrying around what, what I know Ayn Rand calls unearned guilt. It's guilt that you never should have ha- held.
1: Yeah, the, that that deep belief in one's own uh, sinfulness, in one's own unworthiness, would necessarily make a person terrified of, of being judged. And then the philosophy that, that we shouldn't judge, uh you know, becomes uh, attractive, because that means if we shouldn't judge, that means, above all, uh, other people shouldn't judge me. And if
0: I'm a sinner, based on whatever wrong standards there are, you know, I've been spoon-fed from birth, then that's not fair because I'm tragically then trapped, the alternative to that, I'd like to spend a few moments on that, Andy. What would be an alternative view? Not that you're born with original sin, but what would be the alternative that would make judgment a joy? I even had a segment in a recent course I gave, The Joy of Judging.
1: <laughs> I like that title. I think the the alternative view is the realization that we we come into this world uh, in coming into this world we 're not trailing any supernatural legacy we're not we 're not bringing in a, you know some sinful element from uh, our ancestors uh, thousands of years ago we We come into this world uh neither good nor evil. We come into this world you know with the uh, capacity to make choices you know with the, with the faculty of free will and then our our character is based on what kind of choices we make you know for, uh, for instance, if you know you're a kid going to school and you study hard uh you know and, and earn Good, you know, you get you you gain knowledge and earn earn good grades. You, you you should be proud. You've done good. If you if you cheat, you know, then you've uh, done bad. And, and so you should, judge you
0: know, yourself.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, so, so I mean, people have their own character in their hands. And I, I I love Ayn Rand's line on this that you know, man is a being of self-made soul. Uh, you read, read soul here, moral character. Man is a being of self-made moral character. So we're not evil by nature, nor are we good by nature. We're emotional right. by nature, and the choices we make determine our character. And so we shouldn't be afraid of, of judging, because if we do good, then uh, we should be proud. If we do bad, we don't have to beat ourselves up over it. Just change. Uh, get better. Uh, do it better next time.
0: So if you're, if you're in this swamp of always feeling guilty, always feeling like you're a sinner, and you've been taught that since you were a young child, the alternative would be to at least Look at the possibility that maybe you're not a sinner and never were a sinner in the sense of original sin and that you can judge yourself on the good choices you've made and bad choices. If you've made a preponderance of good choices and some bad ones that you're cleaning up, then you can really value yourself and feel a sense of earned pride, a very good character. You've made yourself into a responsible person or maybe a decent. you have a decent job that you enjoy, good hobbies, good friends. If you've run your life into the ground, then it's going to be harder to pull yourself out of it, but you still can try to make amends and try to repair your life. Is
1: yes, and and also, you know, I, I would point out that I'm certainly a sinner, but I enjoy my sins, so, you know, I don't worry about, about that <laughs> What
0: anymore. are your sins?
1: <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> you know, they're, they're probably X-rated. So I probably should have gone into them, you know, on the yeah, air, but... Uh, <laughs> I think I think what you're you're, seriously I think what you're, you're stating here is a is a very important point, and that people don't realize very often that morality is their best friend they look at it as their enemy emotionally because morality is pushed at them as, as a, well they've had the
0: judeo-christian morality yeah. and the alternative is a rational morality one that's based right. on facts one that has common sense listen I want to thank you so much for being with us again that's, today that's
1: and I hope to home. have Maybe you next time we could discuss my sins.
0: <laughs> okay would love to do that <laughs> and I'm dr. Ellen Kenner the show is the rational basis of happiness and if you want more information on Ayn Rand who has a rational moral code you You can go to my website, drkenner.com or aynrand.org, A-Y-N-R-A-N-D.org. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by psychologist Drs. Kenner and Locke. If your romance suffers from fatigue in either partner, discuss ways to ease your daily burdens you face. Is there an agreed-upon division of labor for housework and child care with hiring a babysitter help? Are the children old enough to pitch in more around the house? Can you just say no to some of those volunteer activities you feel obligated to do? Find time to rest and be alone with each other when you are least fatigued. Find places to get away together. These don't need to be elaborate or expensive getaways. Sometimes a surprise lunch date or an overnight at a bed and breakfast helps tired couples reconnect and re-energize their romance. It is often easier to recharge a away from home where all the chores are temptations that threaten to distract your focus from one another. Download chapter one for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.